Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Marshall Lyles on his work with Santray Therapy. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am so happy to be back with you again today, joining you from Chaddock, and I am your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter. Well, today's interview is going to be a real treat. Um, I am going to be interviewing Marshall Lyles, and let me tell you a little bit about him. Um, He is an LMFT and supervisor, an LPC and supervisor. Supervisor, an RPT and supervisor, and and Andrea approved consultant. Whoa, I guess there's like nothing that Marshall Lyles can't supervise you with. He'll uh, that's quite a list of credentials there. Um, he's got almost 20 years of practice in family and play therapy, drawing on lessons from working with attachment and trauma in a variety of mental health settings, and he regularly teaches sand tray therapy and attachment and informed family work around the globe. In addition to authoring works in these areas, he's also a faculty member at Texas State University's Institute for Play Therapy Santray Certification Program. And that is what we're gonna be talking with him about today, Santray. Um, you can connect with him at www.marshalliles.com and we will let you know that again when we're finished with the podcast. But what we're gonna be talking about today is assessing internal working models in Santray. So Marshall will be here with us in just a minute. Hey, Marshall, great to be talking with you some more about Santray and internal working models. Thank you for continuing the discussion with us. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. So when we um, ended last time, we were talking about um, this whole idea of the whole process, like before, like before even thinking about what is placed in the sand, how it's placed in the sand, are there fences, are there this, or is there that, is there a, what is it, a wounded side and a healing, all these things. Um, it's like the process of how we even go into this and how you were sharing. It's even evident with, um, we see different attachment classifications seemingly begin to emerge. Yeah, it's it's part of what feels really um, important to me in, in getting to do supervision and consultation of my own uh, for myself and then with others is that we continue to hold that space as so sacred and mm-hmm. precious because when people are starting to reveal that, you know, there's an aspect of them that can become aware that they're vulnerably sharing things about themselves non-verbally um, that they may not have planned to bring into the room. And so we're, we're needing to take that very seriously and to continue uh, to do, even in our quiet, our best holding uh, and so I'm still very actively reflecting and tracking in my head as a way of staying organized and um, trying to communicate across space 
um, through the air that I'm with you and that I see you um, so that they don't ever feel overwhelmed. You know, I've, I've, this is my sense, Karen. I've, I, I feel kind of like I've made this part up over time. Um, but, you know, as I think about safe haven and secure base, yes. whenever we prompt a client to create a world and they approach those shelves and start spending those moments, which can turn into several minutes, making contact with images, which are then making contact with these deep parts of self, that is them moving away from us in exploration. It feels like a very secure base moment. Yet sometimes we're doing, um, you know, even if it's my second or third session, um, if that's not two or three weeks that they've known me, that's two or three hours. And I am, I am asking them to trust me as a secure base after only having known me for minutes. And so I, I do take that so seriously because I know exploration is scary and it can lead into real um, fragile and, and um, tender contacts with points of need, never knowing what you're going to find as you start touching these images and then seeing how they sit together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That balance between the secure base and the exploration and and the figures and all of that being part of that exploration, just really fascinating to think about. My wheels are turning. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk some more about then some of the things that you have actually seen, like come out in trays, you know, um, and I, uh, you know, you know, you have to be careful some of what you might share with confidentiality and things like that. But, it, you know, if, if maybe there's some, I don't know, I want to, I want to say overall themes and then I restrain myself because like, I know it's so unique for each person. I don't know. Just tell us stuff that happens, Marshall, when you're doing this specific type of work. <laughs> yeah, there, I think that there are definitely patterns that emerge. Okay. 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 Of, uh, there are, you know, some clients who become really unaware of um, how their body has kind of gotten outside of their control. So the sand is starting to fly. And the really? way, yeah, yeah, it becomes chaotic sometimes. Mm. Um, other clients, even, you know, after they've chosen the miniatures and they start to put them in, they may have selected 15 but then only three get ever find their way into the tray because they're you you can start to see them editing and pulling back and so all of those like inner negotiations are becoming very illustrated in the way that they're they're creating and then of course in the worlds themselves there are such strong patterns that emerge you know bonnie badnock um, talks about in in her conceptualization of the inner community and its connection to attachment theory that inside each of us we have this watcher um, that that is kind of aware of how all of our other parts are shaping and connecting to one another and she said a lot of times a watcher figure will show up in the tray and they'll even kind of narrate it as that like oh here's here's this figure I'm not really sure it's just 
observing everything and they may even put it up on the edge of the tray like oh, a wow. supervisor and so you do start to see these um permeations of of inner community and inner world um showing up and and then like you said each one is so individual from the next that they may approach pattern but then still their expression of it is so unique that that's where the art um, of, of guiding meaning making shows up because my, my belief about therapy is I, I don't want someone to leave therapy thinking that they came to make a meaning. I want them to learn to make meaning safely. And so to be more engaged in the process of meaning making instead of seeking an answer or a resolution of a pattern and and so that's part of even how I interact with the patterns that are emerging in the world of just safely guiding them to what do they need to notice next and trusting that they will find um, they will find what they need to find when really held. Uh, and then there are certain figures that over time that I just can't believe how often they get touched. Like that's really, what are, some, that, what are some of those? Um, so even though I'll look at them. Like I use a lot of containers yeah. in San Fe, like bowls and things that lock and um, adults will place figures inside of containers so often. Okay. Uh, and so the containers, especially for adults, get used with frequency. If I have an angel or like a mystical kind of fairy figure, those often um, get used ladders um, propped up on the out, you know, leaving the tray um, or a helicopter kind of floating um, on the edge of the tray. Um, I've seen multiple clients build runways as escape, you know, like here's where my plane can get out of here if it needs to. Right. Um, wells, um, things that hold water, bridges, you know, um, timepieces like uh an hourglass, you know, the, the, these things just repeat over and over and over again wow. as, as people are, are getting to know their own inner community. Yeah. So, so you mentioned, you know, someone's body, you know, not being aware of, you know, they're throwing kind of throwing the sand about and kind of chaotic. So let, let's just think about like dismissing or avoidant folks that lean that way. What, is there anything that comes to mind that you might see with those people? Yeah, I think th there tends to be more um, over control. And those are sometimes those who are a little more editing and censoring. Um, uh, you know, that uh, in general, I, I think I tend to see a correlation between um, people with that attachment, who are in that attachment stream, and even how many figures they choose. Oh, um, probably not as many. Not as many. Usually. Like the, their adult attachment interviews are more brief. Absolutely, same. It's the same exact representation. Fewer words equals fewer miniatures. Yeah. Um, even like when they place them, you feel kind of a detachment. You know, they're not doing it with gentleness and like watching how one relates to the other. It's just kind of this um, one, two, three. They're placed. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, then there's lots of like when when they're indicating that they've 
completed building their world. There's, you know, kind of shrugs and like uh, these these gestures of indifference Mm -hmm. um, that can come a lot of intellectualization, Mm -hmm. you know. And so if they do start getting into details about a miniature, you know, it's away from you know the the emotional lived experience of that little that little figure and a much more um you know floating out into an intellectual knowledge base they have of well did you know that pandas actually uh, eat only this kind of thing or oh my gosh that's exactly <laughs> what oh my gosh that's exactly what one might anticipate um going um, much more left cerebral intellectual rather in a suppression of attachment and relational things. Yeah. And they, they just, I mean, I, I think they really earned and deserve the right for me to go slowly. Yes. You know, I'll, I'll meet them in their left brain place and, and understand that that protector would not be there if it weren't needed. Yes. And then over time, you know, I'm, I might even alter my plan and no longer ask them to build a world for a session or two and ask them to choose one figure. Um, I so love that. A figure that, and because they've already set that limit, that's what they can right. handle. So what if I, instead of trying to push past it, honor it, and then we just get more conversational about that one figure mm-hmm. and, and spontaneously... You know, I'll inevitably start to see their eyes looking over to the shelves at some point. I'm like, oh, I wonder if your eyes have an idea of something that that figure would need in their world. And and so they'll start indicating when they're ready to grow awareness mm. um, through their own communication and time. So it, it feels really tender and dear. Yeah, it's a very um, gentle way to work with defensive strategies, as you said, that are there for very good reasons. You know, I, I'm thinking of um, the example you shared in the webinar of, you know, interviewing the one sand tray figure. Yeah, there's, a, I love to do this with teenagers, especially where it's it's basically all that we know about puppets, but doing it in a way that feels a little developmentally older. Yes. Instead of a puppet interview, we've chosen a miniature. And it was one client who did this first and taught me this technique. Um, and we have this empty chair kind of gestalt-like that's just over in the corner. And he went and placed the miniature in the chair and did like a full Barbara Walter style interview. <laughs> Um, and so that was a way that he was able to, you know, sustain, um, staying in contact with that and be, you know, silly enough, um, and still age appropriate kind of, um, to, to build a little bit more curiosity into the, the experience that that, that figure might've had. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So how about uh, moving on to looking at uh, preoccupation and, um, or the previous, <laughs> the, 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 the earlier term entangled. Uh, yeah. So what do you, what do you see in there? The, in the tray. Her, her, her or more as the tray is created. I, I, I have to remember, it's not just what's in the tray. Absolutely. The process. They have probably tended 
to have been the most likely to ask questions during the building process, you know, of what was it again? And is this what you're wanting from me? And, you know, lots of reassurance that they are doing the process, quote, correctly. That would be so mean. Yeah. (laughs) Always sitting in the front of the class, asking the instructor exactly how the inside of it has to be. (laughs) (laughs) I got to get it right. I want it to be perfect. (laughs) So many preemptive apologies, you know. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry if you probably already told me, but you know, like the lots of really sweet um, invitations for reassurance. And, uh, and then, you know, over time in my work, I think some of the correlations I've noticed for people who have, you know, a stream alive um, that, would, that would be seemingly preoccupied and the way that they construct and process a world is that they can fall into the details um, more easily and and the story can get um, overwhelming um, and they they need a little bit more support moving on you know from element to element so I tend to be a little more um, strategic and I'll say oh before you tell me about this world how many parts do you see it divided into and you know oh there are four parts there's that 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 and that okay which would be the one that would make the most sense to talk about first and so we just get to practice sequencing and and then they're not um, starting with too much overwhelming big picture detail we go part to part to part and then we can go back and make the connections between them and keep it moving also i sometimes will invite them to have um, a co-regulating figure. You know, like in EMDR work, I would have often invited those clients to have created uh, a wise figure, you know, a protector figure, kind of Laurel Parnell. And then, you know, before, after the world is completed, but before we start processing, I might say, I wonder which of our figures from our resources need to be with us today as we start to talk about this. And then it's it's very concrete reaching for a resource that's, you know, either kind of invited into this watcher position or, and then we can check in with that resource if, if it starts to get too entangled about, oh, I wonder what he or she or it's seeing, you know, do they have a perspective to offer in this moment? And so we, we are integrating the resource that they need in the way that they need it. And um, I think I would also want to add the word based on my AI training, helping to bring more coherence to the story that's being put forward. And Bonnie says coherence and cohesion. Yeah. 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 So then we would be left with unresolved um disorganized um what are what are some things you've seen there you know that's that's the one that can be so widely varied yes Uh, does it have more of a dismissive flavor or more of a preoccupied flavor um and and so it's often depending on which 
which end they're closer to in that, that continuum, yes. it's kind of a more exaggerated version of either of those other strategies. But those, my um, unresolved friends would be the ones who are most likely to lose awareness of how they're treating the sand or, you know, um, not, not um, seeing um, kind of some of the destruction happening in the wake of creation. Um, and then can even be um, more likely to leave the world altogether, you know, in adult processing, they'll, they'll come and go from conversation in their present in their real world into the miniature world. And, and that that's a normal thing. But a lot of times um, those who are still in a more unresolved or disorganized place will just leave it all together. Like maybe even an aggression. Um, I've had more than one client. If I if I had not adequately and caringly set up enough resources, and that contact they started to make with their own unresolved uh, way of of being in the world, is, when that starts to hit their awareness, the session will get disrupted. Um, you know, I've had one recently leave. Um, a session and we had to finish the session outside um, and, and talking through. And so there's so much responsibility, I feel, in going slower and, and trying to make sure that they feel that I am a strong co-regulating presence because I, we can really more easily fall into rupture, which is okay. Ruptures that are repaired well. Or... Uh... <laughs> Dissociation. Dissociation, for sure. And even depending on what might be co-occurring, you know, we might have to be careful about using too much metaphor, too much imagery. And if, if they're strongly um, in a place of dissociation or if maybe even there's a psychosis element, showing up, you know, that getting too lost in the imaginal world mm -hmm. can pull you further away from reality. And so, you know, those clients might be some of the, the ones who deserve holding one figure and having heightened sensory awareness of it, you know, feeling edges, describing color. Um, and so doing less is more. So, and I mean, we would think of that as more grounding techniques. Yeah. 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 Ground, grounding in the sand is so fun because, you know, sand is the ground. Yeah. And so we yeah. we to be right, right there. But I, I find if they can get really connected to one figure and then decide how much does it need to be rooted or buried, you know, you get then that strong motor skill of placement and, and turning and rooting. Yeah. Um, and so that becomes an opportunity, but careful, you know, with, with care and yeah. appropriate titration. Yes. Yes. So gosh, well, so I, I'm aware of our time and, and having about 10 minutes left, but um, I know another interest area of yours in, within the realm of this discussion is you know, internal working models of caregivers and parents. So I wondered if there might be anything you might want to share about that. Yeah, I I love that that work. Um, 
um, my dissertation um, for my PhD is looking into specifically in the adoption community, you know, helping adoptive parents um, use Santra as a way to come into contact with their own um, working models and um, and work with minors. I take very seriously um, the need to properly assess and, and prepare parents. And so kind of all out there play, I unapologetically expect parents to do their own trace before getting involved in family trace. Um, and so Love that it. that's part of the expectation. Um, and I explain it to them as a non-negotiable. Um, and that's because you deserve as mom and dad to know if any of this is going to be surprising to get to be surprised when we're here um, without, without your kiddo. Yeah. Uh, and also your kid needs your bravery alive. And, you know, what so we're going to practice. What a way to say that. So we have a lot of fun. I love doing parent sessions of preparation. Um, and then sometimes having to very specifically coach parents into what attunement looks like in metaphor-based work. That There's some education around we are not interpreting. I am not asking you to find meaning and I'm not asking you to make this a part of your discipline of like uh, being at home and doing homework later tonight and say, now is this one of the bear or elephant moments that you're No, do not use our metaphors to uh, um, parent in that way, you know, if it's okay. not having compassion. So there, I think there's some education that we do with caregivers to get them ready. I have like a little worksheet that I give them and I say, these are the things I want you noticing during Santry and here are the things I want you to um, be aware if it pops up in your mind to bounce from it back over to the column of what we want to notice. Um, so that, you know, if they start getting preoccupied about, oh gosh, they placed a witch. Is that witch me? Are they about to tell this thing? You know, how to yeah. notice that thought and move away from it. Um, and so we, we get to do a lot of those practice moments outside of work with, with the kid um, yes. so that they're, they're set up for success when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. How about, um, have you done any Sanche work with, um, from an attachment perspective with couples? Yes. Yeah. Um, there's less about that in the literature. There's some work about couples in Sanche. Um, and so, again, based on your theory, you have to make some decisions about, am I going to have two trays available? And they're working simultaneously in separate spaces. Um, or are we going to work in, like in, um, in succession and I'm coaching them to be a part of supportive meaning making? Are they going to be collaborative in one tray? Um, and so you, those are things that you really have to be thoughtful about. One of my favorite things to do with couples is to have them be collaborative one tray, but restrict words. And I'll say, here's going to be your prompt based on what you've let me know you, you're wanting to explore for the next 10 minutes or so. You're going to create a world using those images, but the catch is you can't talk to one another. You can only read one another um, non-verbally. And sometimes that, when, we, when they slip into the nonverbal, they become a little bit more attuned um, and a little more capable 
of and, and some of the conflict and the verbal jabs disappear um, so that we've set up processing in a little different way. Wow. Oh, this has just been really, really fascinating. Um, is there, are there any closing comments you'd like to say about the topic? And then also want to let people know again, where to find you. And I, I would say trainings you have coming up, but I'm, you know, we we're, so much is up in the air, but well, any, anything about resources from you and your website and all that, but is there, are there any final comments you'd like to offer on the topic? I just, I, I feel really grateful that Santre is getting some attention. It's been so impactful on my career. And, um, you know, I, I think coming from a more dismissive background of, I've, I feel really lucky to have found this modality that encouraged me to wake up um, and into my own body and in a safe way. And then to be able to connect with, you know, the whole self of, of the client. I, I, I don't know what kind of practitioner I might've been if I had just fallen into a verbal only, um, a way of being in the world. And so I'm really grateful to the modality and our, my heroes like Lowenfeld, um, and Bonnie Badenoch and uh, Dr. Linda Holmeyer who have, um, done so much work to make this so that I then get to sit every day and make meaning with people. Uh, I do um, uh, use my website as kind of a clearing house. And so it's just my name, marshallisles.com. And so you can connect with me on all the social media there. And there's a way to sign up for notifications um, uh, so that as I'm adding new content for training or writing and, and Dr. Homeyer and I are writing a book right now on Santre from an attachment and trauma informed lens. And so um, updates about that will come out um, through there. Um, I have a book chapter coming out in Anne Beckley Forest and Annie Monaco's book on play therapy and EMDR. And mine will be on family-based Santre work. Um, and so um, and you're all those ready to convert uh, a popular training to an online format and that's being released what very soon yeah in, in early june um based on our current state of affairs i will be moving my santra basics workshop to an online option and and so um it'll be a live event in early june and then it'll also end up recorded and then put on with all of my other recorded webinars on sand um there on my website all right. Well, this has been great. I have to acknowledge Robin Goble for allowing you expo allowing me to discover you. Um, so, because I that's sort of how I heard about your work was through her, and I'm I'm just so thankful um, that we have yeah. found each other. I am so grateful always in my life for Robin, her friendship and, and partnership in this our professional endeavors has um, done more than I could have ever thought. And, and for you, Karen, you are doing really groundbreaking work and in, in making complicated concepts so approachable um, for so many clinicians. And so you are a regular part of who I encourage my interns to listen to. Oh, so thank you for doing what you do. That's wonderful. Thank you so much until next time. Cause you know, we're going to have you back. 
I look forward to it. Okay. Thanks for today. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.